continuing with Life of Christ 2. Uh, I appreciate Brother Barr covering the lesson last week. Uh, so this week we are on lesson three. We're going to cover the parables of Jesus Christ. This is the book in case you brought it with you or if you're going to look at it later. It's Life of Christ 2. Uh, this is the third session out of six that we're doing, and we'll cover the third lesson tonight. As I mentioned in the first lesson, uh, in a couple future weeks, we'll cover a couple lessons so that we can fit eight lessons into six weeks. Amen. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and start off in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 1. Matthew 13 and verse 1. The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the seaside, and great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, and some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. Now, what determines whether it's you're one of the ones that it's given to or you're not one of the ones that it's given to? You know? We don't believe in predestination. We don't believe that God loves one more than another. The Bible says that God is no respecter of persons. So it's important to figure out what determines whether I'm going to be one that it's given to or if I'm not, and, and how I can affect that. Amen. Uh, verse 12, we continue. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. Let me ask you a question. When Jesus says, for whosoever hath, hath what? Whosoever has what? If you'd refer back just a couple verses, verse 9, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. The thing that's going to determine whether we are one that it's given to, to know the kingdom, the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, is whether or not we have ears to hear. Amen. Now, if you look at the disciples, um, they didn't understand what he was talking about any more than the multitudes did. They didn't. It wasn't like they had some special understanding at this point to say, oh, well, we have ears to hear, so we get it when he says everything. Most of the time when you read about Jesus teaching, the disciples came after and said, what did you mean? What are you talking about? And then he explained it to them. So having ears to hear really isn't something where it's, I'm special and I have this special understanding because I'm hearing. But what was the difference between the multitude 
and the disciples. Well, the multitude had already left. He was, he was done. He was done teaching, and they left. But the disciples said, eh, we're not leaving. We're going to go ask him what he was talking about. So a lot of having ears to hear has to do with, will you stick around and keep listening to Jesus so he can explain it to you? Amen. If we're in a rush, if, oh, I've got to get in my three chapters today. Okay, I'm done. All right, now time to go do something else. And I don't stick around to listen to the voice of God help me understand what the word of God says. I probably don't have ears to hear. And I'm probably not going to receive what he wants to give to me. Amen. The great thing is, every one of us can decide, you know what? I'm going to spend some more time with Jesus so he can talk to me about this. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. So, I started with that parable uh, because it's one of the most popular parables in the Bible. Probably almost no one here hasn't had that explained to them or read what Jesus said about it or heard it preached on many, 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 many times. I'm not actually going to go into that parable. Um, but I want to show you that, you know, as, as you go throughout Matthew 13, if you have your book, uh, pretty much the next two pages in the lesson are going through different parables that Jesus talked about in Matthew 13. Is this cutting in and out? Sounds like it a little bit. Hallelujah. We'll keep going. Um, so he was teaching in parables. So what is a parable? Yes, ma'am. It depends on which version of the book you have. So same way with uh, if when you are in Life of Christ 1, in the first publication of it, it goes through and goes through Lesson 8. And then in Life of Christ 2, it continues 9, 10, 11, and up. In this copy, it starts over at 1. So. Um, if you look at the page number, you know, we'd be on page 32 or 33. Does that help? Praise God. Amen. Um, so you look at Matthew chapter 13, and Jesus is teaching in parables. And so it's important to understand what a parable is. A parable is a natural example of a spiritual principle. It may not represent exactly what that spiritual principle is, but it's the closest thing in terms of a natural example that there is to help us start to get it. Amen. Praise God. So a parable is not literal. A parable is an allegory or a metaphor or an example used in the natural to demonstrate a spiritual principle. Praise God. Uh, we're going to skip over uh, the parables that are listed there, and we're going to highlight just a few of these right now. Let's, uh, we're going to go to Luke 18 and verse 9. 
Luke 18 and verse 9. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Verse 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For every one that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Jesus points out at the beginning of this that it is a parable. Now, it'd be easy to see two actual people standing there, and one of them praying this way, and the other one praying the way he did. You know, you can just sort of picture that. It's like, who does this guy think he is? But Jesus said, it's a parable. Why? Because anybody reading this is going to be like, oh, I would never pray that way. I would never pray with myself and say, God, you're pretty lucky to have me in your kingdom. Nobody's going to do that. But it's a parable. So that would be a very extreme natural example of something that could be going on in our heart, maybe a lot more subtly than what is shown here. And if we think, you know, well, I've gotten to here, and look at that person, then this parable applies to us. Amen. You know, it's, now, it says it's a parable, but if you've never had times in your walk with God where you have sort of said, oh, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, then you may not have lived for God very long. <laughs> Amen. It's, God has a way, the longer that we walk with him, and the more things that he shows us, and the more things he shows us about ourselves, for us to say, oh, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Amen. The closer you get to him, the more you see who you are. The closer we get to him and perceive of his righteousness and his holiness, the more we see the way Paul said, O wretched man that I am. Praise God. Amen. Um, The next thing I'd like to look at tonight, uh, let's go to Luke 15, and in Luke 15, Jesus talks about three lost things. Um, The first one is the lost sheep. So there are 99 sheep, 100 sheep, and one wanders off, and count, 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 go, 99. Where's the one? Okay, I'm going to go find the one because it wandered off, and he brings that one back. And then the other thing that everybody knows about is the prodigal son. And the prodigal son says to his father, "Um, I know you're not dead yet, but I'd like my share of the stuff now. Amen. 
I know that's not King James language, but, you know. <laughs> um, you see the Old Testament and the New Testament. You know, when I talk to people about the Bible, it's, um, where else do you see the word testament? It's last will and testament. Amen. That's a contract between someone who's died and their heirs. Well, this young man didn't even have the decency to wait for his father to die. It was just, hey, I, I, want, I want my portion of the stuff. Let me have it now. Okay, all right, here you go. And he gave it to him. And, and we know that story, and we're very familiar with it. He went and lived a you know, terrible, sinful time of his life and then came back, and the father forgave him and restored him. Uh, but let me ask you this, and you, know, you can cheat if you want to. It's right there in the book, or you can look in your Bible. What's the third lost thing that Jesus talked about? Do you know right off the top of your head? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe some people do. But it's certainly not as popular in terms of preaching as the lost sheep and the lost son or the prodigal son. And it's the lost coin. Amen. I, I can't remember. Maybe it was once or twice, but certainly not preached on a lot. Amen. Um, let's go to those verses. Luke 15 and verse 8. Luke 15 and 8, either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle, and sweep the house, and seek diligently till she find it? And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the piece which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Now, you hear that verse talked about. There's joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repenteth. And we always think about that's new people coming in. But that coin was not lost outside, and she brought it into the house. The coin was already in the house. Amen. And the woman, which is the church, got the light out and started shining it around and said, there's a coin that's lost. And it was the light of the word of God that helped that coin that was lost get found again. Amen. That's why it's important. Even when you're struggling, keep coming to the house of God. Because it just could be that message that day that you hear that's going to take you out of a place where you're lost and bring you back into the place where you're found again. Amen. Amen. And it's over that that the Bible says we're supposed to rejoice. Praise God. The Bible says that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the sinner and the ungodly appear? The Bible says that we are saved by preaching. Amen. Never underestimate how important it is to come to the house of God and hear the word of God and what it might do in your soul to keep you headed for heaven. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's go to uh, Luke 16 and verse 1. 
we're going to talk about the unjust steward. Luke 16 and verse 1, And he said unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest no longer be steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig, and to beg I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him and said unto the first, How much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, An hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, Take thy bill, and sit down quickly, and write fifty. And he said to another, Then said he to another, And how much owest thou? And he said, An hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take thy bill, and write fourscore, eighty. And the Lord commended the unjust steward, because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. Think about that. You're managing somebody else's household, all their goods, and this person comes to you and says, I've heard you're not doing a very good job. You might not be my steward anymore. And his answer was, let me, let me write down some of what they owe my master. And the master says, that was pretty smart, good job. Is that the response you expect? If someone was watching all your stuff, and they said, here, Change the bill so you don't owe as much. And you came back and looked at it? What would you say? You're like, wait a minute. What is Jesus saying here? Praise God. What is he saying? The master is the Lord. And every one of us owes him a debt for sin that we cannot repay. It's not possible to repay. But here's what the Lord wants you and I to do as a steward in the kingdom of God. If you do something wrong to me, he wants me to say, look, you know, you owe 100, but I forgive you the 20. I can't forgive you all your sin, but I can forgive you what it did to me. And then what's that supposed to do? That gives you hope that if the steward can forgive part of it, maybe the master can forgive all of it. That's what he's saying. Amen. That's why he looked at him and said, good job doesn't make sense in the natural mind. Wait a minute, he's, he's, he's cheating him even more. No, no. The Lord expects that when we forgive people, that's going to give them the hope that God will forgive them. Amen. That is what stewardship is in the kingdom of God when it comes to, do I forgive? That's how important it is. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's look at uh, Matthew 25 and verse 1. Matthew 25 and verse 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise 
took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. Now, if we look back just a couple verses there, it says they all slept and slumbered. The ones that brought the extra oil and the ones that didn't. And that tells us that even if we are full of the Holy Ghost, even if we think we're doing everything God would have us to do, there are times in our lives where we're slumbering compared to what God would have us be doing. There's not one of us. You know, I, I read, there, there's a, Jesus asked, you know, which of these two sons did the will of his father? He said, go do this, son. I go, sir. And then he didn't do it. And the other one, he said, no, I'm not going to go. But then he went and did it. I'm like, man, I wish there was a son that would say, yep, I'm going. And he actually did it. But you don't see that in the example Jesus gave. That sort of tells you, just like all of them slumbered, that there are going to be times in your life that you're not quite where you need to be with God. There are going to be times in my life where I need to be awakened out of slumber. Amen. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> Got to keep my eyes where they belong. Praise God. So all of them slept and slumbered. Verse 7, Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there, be an, there not be enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgin, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know not the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Amen. Of course, this is talking about the rapture of the church, the catching away of the bride. And it lets us know, you know, I've got to stay full of the Holy Ghost. I've got to stay full of the Holy Ghost. I can't let myself get so focused on this life and all the things that need to be done down here. That it, that it begins to slip what's going to happen. When the angels came to tell Lot, hey, you got to get out of Sodom. You know, he had two daughters that were not married yet, and he had some daughters that were married. And when he went to tell those married daughters and sons-in-law, we got to get out of here, the Bible says he seemed as one that mocked. He just laughed it off. Amen. When we get entangled with the things of this life, we lose our sensitivity to what's happening and what time it is in the Spirit. Amen. And we are getting closer than ever before to needing to be, to being, needing to be ready for this day to come. Amen. Praise God. Let's look at Matthew 22. And verse 1. Matthew 22 and verse 1. And Jesus answered and spake unto them, and spake 
unto them again by parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son, and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding. And they would not come. Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it, and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise, and, to the, and the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all, as many as they found, both good and bad. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. That wedding garment was actually provided by the host of the wedding, so that nothing was about the people that came. It was about the two that were getting married. Amen. So nobody came in in their best clothes like, oh, look at me, well, here I am. And then somebody else is coming in like, oh, this is all I have to wear, so I get because it wasn't supposed to be about them. So when they came in the door, the host would give them a wedding garment. Amen. And everybody had the same wedding garment. Praise God. But this man had no wedding garment. So it's like, how'd you, how'd you get in here without a wedding garment? Because if you came through the door, you're handed a wedding garment. So what that meant is he had to have come in some other way. And if we're trying to come into the kingdom some other way. Jesus said, I am the door. Amen. I am the door. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If we're trying to come in any other way, then when we stand before the king, we are not going to be found righteous. Amen. We have to enter in through the door. Praise God. Um, let's, uh, there's a parable that's not listed in your book. That I'd like to talk about tonight for the rest of the time. And I believe this is the greatest parable in the Bible. And this is the last parable that Jesus told. Uh, let's go to John 16 and verse John 16, and verse 25. These things have I spoken unto you in proverbs, or parables. But the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. Amen. Jesus began this particular parable and went through many, many different iterations of it, starting in John chapter 14. 
I read it at the end here because I want you to see where he was going. So as we go through some of these verses in John 14, 15, and 16, you're going to be able to refer back to that. When Jesus is talking about the Father, and we'll see the Father and the Son, that is a parable. Amen. He said, these things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time cometh when I will speak unto you no more in Proverbs, but I will show you plainly of the Father. Amen. Let's go to John 14, just a couple chapters back. Verse 1. The setting here is the Last Supper. Um, it is after Judas Iscariot has already left. Judas has gone to betray him towards the end of chapter 13. So he's departed. You have the 11 remaining disciples there. Uh, also at the end of chapter 13, Jesus said to Peter, uh, before the cock crows, you're going to de deny me three times. Oh, no, I'm not. Uh, yes, you will. Amen. And then Jesus begins these sayings. John 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. And whither I go, you know. And the way, you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. And how can we know the way? Again, remember, ears to hear was not certain special people. You know, here we are, the last instruction before Jesus was going to die, and they're still, what are you talking about? Brother Breckenridge, wherever he went, he uh, taught about this a couple weeks ago, that Jesus opened their understanding during that 40 days after he rose from the dead. Amen. This is before that. Amen. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Verse 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth, you know him and have seen him. Amen. And from henceforth, you have known him and have seen him. Amen. That is the goal of God, to know us and for us to know him. Amen. Jeremiah 9. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, or the mighty man in his might, or the wise man in his wisdom. But if you're going to boast, boast in this, that you know and understand me. Amen. Here we are, and he says to them, from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Now, Philip gets in on it. Verse 8, Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father and it sufficeth us, or it will satisfy us. Just show us the Father. And Jesus like, I just said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Amen. 
And Philip's like, great, great, just show us the Father. Amen. Verse 9, Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believe thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Amen. Verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, he shall do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. It's like, okay, wait a minute. We have Jesus talking, and he was talking about the Father, and now he's saying the Father is going to send the comforter. If you are taking this literally, you're going to start getting very confused very quickly. Amen. You know, I was, I was raised most of my young adult life, you know, until I was 21, in a different faith, and the doctrine of the Godhead is very different than what I believe out of the Word of God now. Amen. But if I was to try to compare these verses to what I used to believe, because I was told that, it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, uh, who's who? You know, it's like Abbott and Costello, who's on first? You know, it's like, uh, it's me, it's just me. Jesus is saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Okay, now, uh, the Father's going to send the comforter. Wait, what? Who's the comforter? What are you talking about now? Hallelujah. Let's continue on just a couple verses here. Verse 17, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Now, just a few verses back, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now he's saying, the Father's going to send the Comforter, but you already know who he is, because he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. It's like, okay. Um, Jesus was called Emmanuel, which being interpreted means God who is with us. Amen. Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. Amen. But there was a limitation there. No matter how big the multitudes were, you know, we, we've read in places in the Bible, 5,000 men plus women and children, that could be 20,000 people. Yeah, yeah. But still, out of how many people in the world is that 20,000? Not nearly as many as God wanted to touch and save. Amen. And so, God with us was not good enough for God. So he's saying here, Comforter's coming, and you know him already because he dwells with you and shall be in you. Amen. 
back to the verse here. Verse 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Now, wait a minute. Is it the comforter coming? Because he dwells with you and shall be in you, and the Father's going to send him? But now Jesus is saying, I will not leave you comfortless. The word comfortless means parentless or orphans. And then he said, I will come to you. If, if you are an orphan, what are you missing that makes you an orphan? Parents, or, or particularly a father. So if Jesus coming was going to make us not orphans, then who does Jesus have to be? The father. Sort of makes sense when he said a couple times, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Amen. You're not going to be alone. You're not going to be orphans, comfortless. When I come, now you're not orphans anymore. Why? Because if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And when I'm in you, you're not orphans. Amen. That's why the Bible says that with the spirit of adoption, by the spirit of adoption, we cry, Abba, Father. Amen. The Holy Ghost is the spirit of of adoption. Praise God. That means we were the children of the devil. We were the children of darkness. But we become the children of light and the children of God when we're filled with the spirit of adoption. Or in other words, when Jesus is not with us, but now he's in us. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go down to verse... 25. John 14, 25. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. Amen. I go away and I'm coming again unto you. If you loved me, you would rejoice, because I said, I go unto the Father. For my Father is greater than I. Now, if you believe the popular doctrine of Christianity, if you are a Trinitarian and you believe that God is three co-equal, co-eternal persons, you need to cut this verse out of your Bible. Because if this is God the Son saying of God the Father, my Father is greater than I, you've just violated your doctrine. Amen. So what is really going on here? How can Jesus say this? The key to understanding the Godhead or who God is, is the dual nature of Jesus Christ. He was sinless man and fully God. And every time you see something in your Bible written in red, if you have a red letter Bible where Jesus is saying something, 
He's either saying that in his humanity or as deity. Every time. And if you read, you can discern what he's saying. When he was on the cross and he said, I thirst, was that humanity or deity? Well, clearly it was humanity. Amen. Everything he said and everything he did was either done in humanity or in deity. Amen. When he said, before Abraham was, I am, and they took up stones to stone him, and he said, many good works have I done among you, for which of these do you stone me? For a good work we stone thee not, but because thou, being a man, makest thyself God. Amen. He was speaking as deity. Before Abraham was, I am. Amen. And we'll see in John 17, whom seek ye? Jesus of Nazareth. I am. The word he is in italics, which means it's not there in the original language. I am. And they all fell backward. Amen. It's important to discern what nature is speaking when you hear Jesus saying something. Amen. Not two persons, two different natures. One God who manifests himself in the flesh because he loved us so much that he would lay down his life for us and die for us. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 29. And now I have told you before it come to pass that when it is come to pass, you might believe. Praise God. Let's go to John 15, verse 22. We'll skip down a little bit here. John 15, 22. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not done sin. But now they have both seen and hated me and my father. You know, we think about, yeah, you know, the disciples. He said to them in the Last Supper, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Okay, uh, yeah, that's... Jesus said here, even those that rejected him saw and hated both him and his father. Why? How could he say that? Because they witnessed things that only God is ascribed to being able to do in the Bible. In the book of Job, the Bible says that the Lord alone treadeth the ways. When Jesus comes walking on the water, he's it. I'm sorry, Peter, you, it wasn't going to happen because you're not God. Amen. The Lord alone treadeth the ways. Praise God. He said many times, I am. And they knew exactly what he meant. We just talked about it. They were going to stone him. They knew exactly what he was saying. And they saw the works that he did that backed up who he said he was, and they rejected him anyway. So he said, they've seen me and hated me and my father. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Go to just hold your place there in John 15, and let's turn to 
Colossians 1. verse 15. Colossians 1, verse 15. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. All of God that you will ever see is Jesus Christ. Amen. The Bible says God is a spirit. The Bible says no man hath seen God at any time. Praise God. So how can he say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father? Because he is God manifest in the flesh. Praise God. When we look in his face on that day, he is the image of the invisible God. Praise God. Praise God. Let's go to... John 16 and verse 6. John 16, 6. But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Now, now wait a minute. A couple chapters ago, he said, the Father's going to send the Comforter. Now he's saying, I'm going to send the Comforter. And a couple chapters back, he said, the Father's going to send the Comforter. The Comforter will come unto you. And he also said, I'm going to come to you. Now he's saying, he's going to send the Comforter. Hallelujah. If these are three separate persons, I'm sorry, this makes no sense at all. Amen. But if it's Jesus Christ the one true and living God manifest in the flesh, saying, I'm with you right now, and you know me, and there's a limitation on how close I can be to you because I'm with you right now in my humanity, but if I go away, now I can come in the Spirit and live and dwell in you, then that all makes sense. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 8. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Well, two verses ago, he said, if I depart, I'll send him unto you. And he said, I'm going away and I'm coming to you. Now he said, if I go away, you'll see me no more. What does that mean? That means in the flesh, you will see me no more. You're not going to see, I'm not going to come back to every one of your living rooms and, and sit in your car with you while you're driving down the road. That's not how it's going to happen. You won't see me anymore, but I'm still coming. Amen. Hallelujah. John 16, verse 16, just a few verses down, a little while and you shall not see me. And again, a little while and you shall see me because I go to the Father. So wait a minute, he said, I go to the Father and you don't see me. Now he says, I go to the Father and you shall see me. How? If you have ears to hear and eyes to see. Remember we, we talked about, Jesus said this, that if you're not born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. 
And if you're not born of the water and the spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. It's not talking about seeing him manifest in the flesh with your eyes again. He's talking about being filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Talking about being filled with the Holy Ghost, that when you have eyes to see, now you can see. When you're born again, now you can see. Praise God. Praise God. John 16, 25, which is where we started. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs. But the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. Does it make sense why he summarized toward the end with that? Because they asked a few questions, but you've just got to think at some point, and you can actually read it in John 16, they're, they're desirous to ask him, what is he talking about here? This whole time he's talking, they're like, oh, wait a minute, the comforter's going to come, you're going to come, the Father's going to send him, you're going to send What's going on? He said, I'm talking to you in Proverbs, but the time's coming when I'm going to show you plainly of the Father. Amen. Amen. Let's go to uh, the next chapter, John 17 and verse 6. John 17 and verse 6. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them to me, and they have kept thy word. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. What name was manifested during the ministry of Jesus Christ while he walked on this earth? What name? Jesus Christ. Look throughout the Bible. There's no other name that was proclaimed, that was made known, that was mentioned, whispered, anything else. The only name that is mentioned is the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Acts 4.24 says, neither, sorry, 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Amen. So, Jesus, in his humanity, is praying to the Father, deity, that's another good thing to talk about very briefly. If you believe that there is a God the Son, how can that co-eternal, co-powerful, co-knowing, everything else, co-co-co, one pray to the other? You know, if I pray, it means I'm not God. Amen. But if you look at this and understand, the Bible says, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. That means when you're feeling lonely, or you're in trouble, or you're facing trials, what do you have to do? You pray. That's how you communicate with deity. That's how humanity communicates with deity. And the man, Christ Jesus, God manifest in the flesh, had to do it the same way that you and I do, because it says he was tempted in all points like as we are. Amen. So you've got humanity speaking to deity here, saying, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. So he's talking to the Father. We know the only name that was manifested is Jesus Christ. 
How can that be? Amen. Let's look at Hebrews 1 and verse 4. Actually, Hebrews 1, start in verse 1. Hebrews 1, verse 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Amen. And upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. If you get something by inheritance, who do you get it from? Your father. If he obtained his name by inheritance, and we heard him praying, I have manifested thy name. And he got his name by inheritance. And if you inherit things from your father, what does that mean? That the name of the father is Jesus. Amen. Sort of makes sense when Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Amen. Praise God. If you are in this place tonight and you've got terrible problems if you're sick in your body if you don't have two nickels to rub together and you got bills due if you've got family problems if you've got any other kind of problem no matter what is going on in your life but you know the one true and living God the Bible says angels wanted to peek into this what it says they wanted to know they were trying to look over his shoulder what's going on over there it says that the prophets in the old testament wanted to know but it wasn't time for them to know how god was going to do this but if you're in this place and you believe in the god that this book tells us about that there's one god and his name is one that there's one Lord, one faith, one God and Father of all who's above all, through all, in you all. No matter what other problems you have in your life, you are amongst the very most blessed people on the face of this earth. Amen. Jesus spoke in parables all these things about the kingdom of God, including who he was. Amen. So that seeing, they wouldn't see. And hearing, they wouldn't hear. But if we have ears to hear, then all these things God wants to reveal to us. Amen. There is no limit to what God wants to share with each one of us out of his word. And once again, the thing that determines, do I have ears to hear, is how long am I willing to stick around with Jesus after I read something that may not make sense? I say, Jesus, what is that mean? Jesus, what does that mean? And let him lead you elsewhere in the word. And let his spirit talk to you. And let the scripture interpret the scripture. But this isn't a book that is understood or learned based on intellect. It is not. There are some very smart people 
who know a lot about this book who don't really know what it says. Amen. But if you have a hungry heart that says, you know what? I don't really need to watch that next episode of whatever. And I don't need to rush off to do that. Jesus, I'm going to sit right here. I'm going to read this again a couple times. And I want you to talk to me about this as I read it. Because I want to know you. Amen. Then God will honor that prayer. Praise God. Let's go ahead and thank the Lord right now as we close. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word, O God, which is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, O God. We trust you and we love you tonight. We worship you, Father. We glorify you and honor you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. Praise God.